Welcome to Living in Harmony, a podcast for Christian parents who want to make the peace in their household without sacrificing their sanity. Here, we talk about everything from sibling rivalry to dating and how to raise your kids to be strong in their faith while maintaining your own. But don't worry, we're not all preachy here. That's the purpose of your church and your pastor. Here, we're here for you to help you know you are not alone in this crazy journey called parenthood. So whether you're a seasoned pro or a brand new parent, Living in Harmony, this is the podcast for you. So grab some coffee or wine, we won't judge, and join us as we navigate the ups and downs of raising kids in a Christian household where the gospel is the center. Hello and welcome to Living in Harmony. My name is Delmar. I am Robert. And I am April. And it is good to be here today. Summer's creeping in on us. The weather's warming up, but we got air conditioned because we're in the south and that's how we roll. It is good to be here. And I know that wherever you're at right now, if you're a parent, um, you're switching gears into that summertime routine. If you're listening to us live, if you're not in this winter, man, I'm jealous because Christmas is my favorite time of year. But uh, we, we've covered a lot of topics today, and I really love where we're going today. Robert yes. sent a message earlier this week, says, hey, got a got an idea. And it kind of cinches up a lot of the conversations we've been having. And we really don't want to stall on this one because this one is really popular. If you've floated around Christian churches for any amount of time in your life, you have heard this said. This is not a bad saying, first of all. But... It's one of those sayings that deserves a lot of mining and a lot of excavating because uh, it can be taking to an extreme place. So the line being, my kids are the missionaries in the world. And yes, they should be, Uh, specifically in regards to when they're out and about with their friends, when they're at school. But today, what we want to do, we really want to dig down into this. What does it mean to balance my kids being missionaries? And they're also my mission field as the parent, because right. if, if we just say my kids are the missionaries, okay, then does, that means by default, our house is a mission home where training should be happening and all different things. So that would be the logical question. Okay, well, what training do you have in place or what systems do you have in place? What apologetic resources have you given your kids? Not to overwhelm you if you've not done that, because... That's why we said this conversation is important to have today. We hope that there's going to be some beneficial things. All that to be said, that's the setup. Robert, why don't you take a swing? Take a swing. Take a swing, man. Take a swing <laughs> at you know our our kids being you know the mission the missionaries or the mission field. Well, first off, our kids can't be missionaries. You know they can't share Christ with their friends. They can't share that worldview if they don't own it, right? Mm. If our kids are not Christians, if if our kids don't don't own that and have that um, that faith inside them, then they can't really share it. I mean, they could we could we could teach them to to to, to parrot the catechisms if we wanted to and to to say those you know to give the answers to those questions, but if they don't own it, they're really not going to be interacting with their world the way we want them to be. So that's where we've got to start. We have to start. So that kind of puts the ball back in our court because what that means is before our kids are ever missionaries, we're missionaries Hmm. to our kids. And it is our job as parents to be the primary evangelistic arms into our household. And I know this can be daunting. I know this is one reason why a lot of parents do bring their children to youth group or children's ministry. Hey, we want you to tell my kids about Jesus but, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that is good. You know, when I went to get my driver's permit, my parents took me to driving school at the very end. But before they did that, I rode in the car with my dad a lot because he was going to teach me how to drive. And he, he took me around. And I think there's several approaches that parents take. There's some that's like, well, I, when it comes to their faith, I want them to explore everything, dig their nose down deep into it, and come back up with whatever truth is real. And I say that to say, we don't let our children figure out how to drive on their own. I can't say, well, you just figure out what what feels right on the road. And this is so much more important than driving. So primarily, you know, if, if you're the kind of parent who responsibly and as we should, wants to send our kid out into the world, then what we need to make sure is that, first of all, we are leeching the world in the, in the biblical 
rot sense of the scriptures out of our houses so we can elevate Christ in our house. So we have an environment where Jesus is being taught, the Christian worldview is being lifted up with the understanding that I can't save my kid. You can't save your kid or my kid. You know, all we can do is put the truth out there, but we have to trust Jesus with converting our kid. So at best, if our children have not made a profession of faith, we may be sending moral agents out into the world. But, and I saw this this week, because right now in Christianity, um, Christless conservatism is getting really big. Um, people like Ben Shapiro and, um, and even to some extent Jordan Peterson and them, and, and they may have good thoughts, and, and I do enjoy listening to them. But when you have Christless conservatism, when you get down to the base of it, it's, okay, here's some logical conclusions, but no fertile soil for it. So in our own houses, we have to start this conversation about whether we're sending our kids to school or out wherever. It has to begin in our own houses with, do our own children know Christ? So as parents, how do we, how do we step into that conversation? I know that we may have parents listening who their children may be past that young age where it can't just be natural in the house. It's got to be Hey, we have to talk about Jesus. Like, how, how, what are some ways that parents we can initiate that conversation, um, especially if we may not have done it at an earlier age? Yeah, I think there's there's roles for there's roles for you know fathers in that roles for mothers in that, and and so um, you know from a from a father perspective, you know one of the things that I did a lot is you know I looked for all of the opportunities where I could bring that. Uh, bring whatever worldview and, and kind of highlight the worldview. So I think we've mentioned this before, but my, you know, I'm famous and with my kids for, you know, stopping a cartoon in the middle of something you know, that's playing on, playing on a DVD or a video or something. It's like, it's stop. It's like, okay, what, what are they teaching you right there? It's like, oh, they're, they're teaching the, you know, and of course at first the kids were uh, completely confused by all of that and just annoyed. Dad, that's the good part. But 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 now it's kind of a joke, and now they do it too. And they've they've pointed out that they I've I've ruined a lot of things for them because, you know it it it's it's okay to enjoy a movie or a cartoon, but when you look at it and say, oh, that's the that Transformers right there is teaching you that there's an eternal good and an eternal evil, and that they exist in balance, and and that when the when the good gets to be too strong, then the evil rises up against it, and you get this dualistic worldview that's just embedded in most of the the Transformers universe, right? For example. And and then you can talk about the truth behind that, uh, sorry the, the the worldview behind that, and then what the what the truth is that you know that there's a God who created the universe, and that you know uh, our uh, evil desires to try and be like Him caused you know caused uh, us to fall. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the places where where we can step in and 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 look for those opportunities, and it it does take a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of thinking. It takes being engaged and paying attention to what's going on. And, and, and I think for, for us, that was one of the things that, that we did a lot. And April, you approached it differently as you were looking at, you know, as you were working with, you know, teaching them uh, everything. Well, I mean, are you talking about choosing curriculum, how we did, how we implemented homeschooling mm-hmm. and, and all of that? I mean, for me... <laughs> Everything about their education, you know, I wanted thing, everything to point back to Christ. I wanted everything to be pointing to how how are we to live in this world? How are we, um, you know, how are we to um, interact with God? And just recognizing that um, He is the source of truth. He is the standard by which everything else is is measured. So. You know, when from, I mean, even with academics, you know, it wasn't just about learning, you know, math, but it was also understanding that the reason we can understand math and it's even a thing that can be explored is because we have a God of order who designed it and created the world to, to work that way. You know, um, I've always thought, I still remember, you know, when I was in college taking a biology course and I remember thinking, you know, at the time, of course, and I, this was at a secular college, and of course there was no, um, nothing about creation or, or Christianity was taught. And, um, you know, a lot of times people would talk about some of the really um, 
anti-Christian things taught in biology courses. But then I would go into the lab and look under the microscope and the things that I learned, I remember, I would, I remember telling him, you know, this has done nothing but for me, reaffirm to me Mm. that we have a creator. Like, how can you look into that microscope and then say that's chance, you know? So So what I hear both of you doing, and I think this is wonderful from a father and a mother approach, whether your kids are, you're watching TV or it's education or you're just out and about parents are being really mindful about allowing your kids to see the worldview. You fly them up 50,000 feet in the middle of an of a, of a moment not to ruin the moment but to add value to the moment and say hey listen what is this really saying so as we as we came into this podcast we want our kids to be missionaries in the world the first thing we have to do is evangelize our own kids share the gospel with them and and not a gospel attached to anything else it's just Christ and his death burial resurrection the faith we have in him with no agenda um, other than we want them to have eternal life because anything other than that, we've been talking about it in church. It leads to legalism Mm -hmm. in our culture right now. We are in this weird secular um, piety where it's just this weird legalism. You must use the right terms and uh, subscribe to the right um, ideologies. ideologies. And if you don't, you get canceled. That is just legalism. We've seen it. It's in the church at large as well through fundamentalism, but not just in fundamentalism where women can't wear pants and you must read the KJV only. It's also in in the progressivism as yeah. they've received more of the culture around us. So when you're when we're sharing our faith with our kids, it's very important to keep it in the pocket of the gospel. Absolutely, the gospel. And I think that that one of the things that you you have to kind of take a take a step backwards from where what we've been talking about here and that means that we as parents have to t- make the the effort to disciple ourselves right we've got to put ourselves yes. in places you know we've got to put ourselves at a good church under solid teaching right we've got to put ourselves in a in a place we've got to spend time in the word we've got to spend time understanding what it is that the gospel is about and then that second part is you know not just understanding the gospel, you know, inside scripture, but understanding how to apply that. I can't find those examples in whether it's a cartoon or whatever. I can't find those examples uh, if if I haven't understood what the gospel is and how it applies and understood some of those false worldviews as well. So it does take some work up front, um, but there are lots of lots of good resources to allow you to, to do that. And the great part is the cross is extremely offensive. You know, this is a good thing, I I promise, because this past week in Galatians, we were talking about the offense of the cross. And a lot of times I grew up thinking, you know, the offense of the cross is that you're a sinner and you need to repent. And yes, that is that is offensive. But the true offense of the cross in, in the view of Scripture is that anyone can know Jesus, regardless of your past, regardless of your sin regardless of all the things you've done that's so offensive because pious Christians, we want to believe that you got to walk this way and talk this way. It's offensive when I come up and say, actually, no, it's Mm -hmm. about Christ and he will mold you to his image. So please like lean into the offense of the cross with your kids. uh, And, and we want to see them come to the light. And when we do, that is the starting point of the conversation. And that's super countercultural these days because not only is it that whatever I bring in my in my sinful background, but whatever culture I come from, whatever you know ideology I might currently have, you know I can come from that into the gospel, and it all becomes you know we all come together in that. And so, if you really want diversity and inclusion. It's in the gospel, right? Because that's the foundation that takes all of those other it's things away and gives us the gives us the ability to see one another as as humans in that uh, you know in that positive way. And when you start looking at it that way, everything starts filtering. And right now, the biggest game is Zelda. It's huge. Your sons <laughs> are playing it. I'm playing yeah. it. Like I know people way older than me playing it. And what's really fun is is there's this part of the game where you go underground and it's just complete darkness. 
And you can run around in the dark, and every now and then you'll find a thing. But they have these things you can attach to an arrow and shoot it. And when it lands, it lights up the surrounding area. And, and then you can explore. And then you shoot again, and it lights up the surrounding area. This is how the gospel goes forth in our life when we're in the world. We're in darkness. You might stumble on some truth on a podcast that's Christless conservatism, but it's not until you shoot that light that that the worldview exposes everything. And I just I like that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, these examples are everywhere when you're just when we're just looking at it through the lens of the gospel. Well, and and here, you know, what is it? What does Scripture tell us that our children are? arrows right that we're that are that they're going to mm. you know shoot as from a hand of a of, of a hunter so when we prepare our children properly they go out into that dark world but even in that game now i haven't played it but i've, I've watched my son play it and i'm pretty sure you can't just take an arrow and shoot it you have to prepare the arrow yes. in advance right yeah so you've got to take the glowy stuff and you got to attach it to the arrow and then you've got to shoot it so there's work that you have to do in advance of that before you can just fling fling the arrow out in front of you effectively. And what we call that is building a a, a missionary mindset within our children. Mm-hmm. And the, these are the things we attach to our arrows to send them out to be to be a light. And and we've 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 orbited around it, but I want to go ahead and just say if we're going to build a mission mindset in our child, then there's a question that should be lodged into their head. And honestly, it it needs to be lodged into my head needs to be lodged in all of our heads. And and that is this, always ask. I would say two questions. The first one is, what worldview is this? When you see something, what worldview is this? When you're watching TV, when you're in Walmart, hey, these days, if you go to Target, you know, what what, mm-hmm. what worldview is this? And and if we can get our, our, our children just thinking that way, then a lot of it, mm-hmm. a lot of the work is being done for us because that is a... A, a brake system. I feel like that's a it's a spiritual brake system that says, "Whoa, okay, this is not congruent with what I'm. What worldview is this?" Mm-hmm. And then, and then the other one, which buttresses really close to it, is okay. That's a truth claim. By what standard? What standard is this truth? If you're saying there there is no God, for example, because mm-hmm. this is if your kids are going to go out to the world as missionaries, they're going to hear there's no God. They need to be thinking by what standard, and then you ask, okay, what standard is is there no God? Well, I've I've never seen him. So you, your eyes are dependent upon what is reality. Well, I didn't say that. Okay, well then, how do you know there's no God? Well, you can't. Um, you could just look around. So have you ever observed something that was wrong once you looked at it? Yes. So your faculties aren't exactly trustworthy. So you're saying your standard is something that's not trustworthy. Well, I don't want to go with that standard. But when we, so when we're evangelizing, it's always important to, to, to teach our kids, when somebody says a truth claim, ask them where they get the truth from. And if they say that's my truth or I got, the, then, then now you have a way to pick at it. Mm-hmm. And some of these are going to get, as, as our children move from more concrete to abstract reasoning, this is where this is going to get in. Um, the whole language of my truth, your truth, relative truth, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if, if I say that's true for you, and this is true for me, well, we know there can't be two truths. Something can't be red and blue at the same time. By what time. standard, Delmar? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And what we, would, what we teach our children is the standard we have is an objective reality outside of our observation, founded in Scripture, right, and then affirmed. And logic. And that's the thing that, you know, when you're asking, well, what is this worldview? You can't answer what you don't know. And so, you know, you don't have to be able to already be a scholar on recognizing worldviews. But there's a lot of resources available that can help, that can help you kind of learn some of, some of this information and, and, and teach it to your kids and, and just in conversations, you know? Yeah, and, that, if, if, and you said something a minute ago that I think is really important. You know, you talked about it, you know, at, at, at an age appropriate level, at, at, at the level where they are. And so you just made an argument a second ago that was kind of a, a high school level, you know, a little bit abstract. But you can you bring that back. You lay that foundation when they're three and you start talking about, you know, you start having them memorize scripture and saying, OK, this is true. And you build that you build that foundation of of truth and then when when someone something happens and it can be you know anything that they see oh you know 
that that guy's confused. How do you know he's confused? Well, he's he's confused because he thinks that uh, you know a boy is a girl or something. He thinks that something is is not true, and we know that that it is because God tells us it is. You know, he oh he's he's saying that you know that. Uh, the, that the universe wasn't created, it just happened. Well, we know that God created it. And so you can, very early on, you can start mm-hmm. laying those things down in, in small layers and in, in little pieces. And, and then over time it builds. And then as they get older, they're able to, to process that uh, at a more abstract level. That's really good. Like pause on that a second, because what's real important for us as parents, as we're engaging our children to be missionaries, isn't off the bat, to give them all the answers. Number one, we don't have them all. So this should be some pressure off of us, right? That we don't have right. to know everything. I don't know everything. But one of our biggest goals is to just show them where the hazards are. Help them ask the questions before they get to the hazard. Mm-hmm. What worldview is this? By what standard? There was a game back in the 90s. Millennials and older will know it. It's on like every PC you ever got where it was the grid and you had to identify what the bombs were. Oh, you know Minesweeper. what I'm talking about? Minesweeper. Yeah, Minesweeper. And then you right click to put a, re- a flag. Minesweeper. And I then, was very good at that, by the way. Well, see, but the <laughs> thing is, the way, the way you figured it out isn't saying immediately this is where the bomb is. What you're doing is you're trying to figure out, okay, where, where isn't the bomb? And then we find the bomb. It's kind of like the, the brake system. If you're, if you're about to run off a cliff, you don't, run off the cliff and then find out what's at the bottom of the cliff. No, you hit the brakes, get out the car, say, well, that's a long way down. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I'm probably going to not take that route. So that's one of the things we, especially early on, we're, we're trying to help our, our children just be spiritual sniffers. You know what I'm saying? You sniff it out <laughs> and like say, that. hey, spiritual listen, sniffers. like sniff it out. Like this, this doesn't seem to add up to logic. This mm-hmm. doesn't seem to add up and, and it's okay uh, and, and maybe one day, I know my kids, even at my youngest is almost, my oldest is almost six. He's already starting to say, but why? Oh yeah. And that's a great time that's because a- that, because you say, but why, you know, so many times it's like, well, God built it this way. God designed it this way. God, you know, why is the butterfly fly? Why does the butterfly have that color? Well, because God wanted it to be pretty so that it could, you know, hide from a predator or whatever. And, and, and so those are those are things that you can put in there. And I think all of those layers, we come back to this this passage a lot um, in Deuteronomy six. You know, uh, the, the the passage where it says, "You love the Lord your God with all your heart," and then you know, meditate on these things and teach them diligently to your children. You know, talk of them when you sit down and in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you and when you get up. And I think the reason why all of those things are repeated, those are pieces of life, right? Those are things that you do in life and as you as you go through life with your kids whatever your life looks like you have those opportunities and and you you just come back and say oh you know that's that's how god is working in this this is how god's truth works in that situation and in this situation and this other situation and and it 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 adds up over time and you you build that um you build that structure that then can withstand later on and and in a lot of ways as you're building that structure for your child, you're this, you're the scaffolding, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're leaning on you so they don't fall over. So, so that means we have to model it. We have Absolutely. to model our Christian worldview. And, and this is why, um, this is, this is why as a parent you have, I'm, I'll just be a little bold is to say there needs to be points in your life where your child can look at you and say, daddy made this decision because of his faith. You know, that's why I left my last church, right? We started affirming abortion and stuff like that. And, and my children are going to know this is why daddy left. And, and I had to explain it. I did it in, in younger terms, but this, this, they need to be able to see it because how are we going to expect them to be willing to catch flack in the world mm-hmm. if they don't see mom and daddy right. catch a little flack? And that doesn't mean we go looking for it. Certainly not. You know, as scripture says, as much as possible, live at peace with those around you. But when you are a light in the darkness, it, the darkness is going to try to creep in. And you have to set that example. And then as you're setting that example, you're giving them tools. Mm-hmm. You're giving them practical tools. You know? You're modeling for them what it looks like to stand for truth. And you're modeling what it looks like to 
to stick to a biblical worldview. And sometimes you're modeling what it's like to struggle when you don't see that. I think we've talked about um, in this podcast before, uh, you know, sometimes when we had career changes in our lives and things that happened when we didn't know for a period of time what was going to happen. Right. We, we believed that God was taking us in the right direction, that we were making, you know, a, uh, we were heading where God was calling us, but we didn't see the path. And our kids watched us, and this happened several times. So they got to see they got to see that um, work its way out, work itself out in our in our lives, in our relationship with each other when we were uncertain. And it's like, pray for this. And kids. they got to participate in praying for. They did waiting on what God was going to do, and uh, and that's a built-in accountability for us as parents. It is. And also on the flip side, because one thing we never want to do on this podcast is to sell ourselves as, uh, as like the champion parents, because, um, no, <laughs> because as I tell our children, we're all sinful creatures. <laughs> yes, like we do not. Right. Every time someone, I've had people come up and say, man, I wish that, you know, I had, you know, what we talk about on the podcast with my kids. I'm like, I wish my kids had a better version of it, you know? Because we talk about it, but in practice, this is not easy because they're also going to see us, the models in their house, fail a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, maybe even more, you know, maybe the successes tend to be mountaintop experiences, It's the, but there's a lot of valley in between it where daddy's mm-hmm. not feeling well and maybe he doesn't, isn't as gracious as he should be or whatever. And, and I think it's in those moments also where we have to hold on to the, we're still the model. And if we're modeling that, then like a spirit of repentance needs to be present, a spirit of humility, yeah. um, like we've talked about in the past, apologizing. Because if we're going to mentor, then then we need to make sure that there's credibility behind it. Right. And and good leaders admit when they are wrong. Yeah. Th- this week, um, Lifeway made a big boo boo um, at their summer camp. They put out a devotion. And in the devotion, I guess they didn't proofread it, y'all. You know the passage where John the Baptist is saying, there comes another who I cannot unlatch his sandal, talking about Jesus? Somebody wrote a devotion and said that was Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. That's Hmm. Arianism, you know, that God and the Spirit are different, and Jesus can't unlatch. And he's like, see, Jesus can't even measure up to the Holy Spirit. It was bad. Wow. And then, like, some Christians online made a... A rightful, you know, here's this is not good Lifeway, and it, and Lifeway actually came out to their credit. You know, they got some stuff, but to their credit, they came out and said this was wrong. We don't know how it got past us. Yeah, you know, I feel like they probably hired an intern who copied the verse without the reference, pasted it into Chat GPT. I was about to say maybe they used Chat GPT. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, if you were to copy the verse without the reference <laughs> and just copy the text into chat GPT and say, write me a devotion on this, avoid of all, it, it, it would have been very similar. So I don't know if they did that or not, but the, but what the point I'm getting at is Lifeway came out and said, we were wrong. Shouldn't have did it. We're going to change. And I, and, and you know what? That buys you credibility because mm-hmm. in your failures, there's opportunity for you to, to be a light still. And especially if we're modeling our kids, especially if they're in a public school system their, their peers who they're trying to be missionaries who are going to see them fail how many times? Right. Oh my gosh. Oh, and if you think, and if you think building this foundation of truth and, and righteousness in your kids is going to go smoothly, no, at some point, very quickly, they're going to start recognizing when you fall short. Right. And Absolutely. then, and That's then where one, that humility comes in. Right. Again. And one of the, one of the, one of the coolest, most awesome, most terrifying and frustrating things and, and humiliating things is when your kid says, daddy, why did you do that? Jesus says we shouldn't. And you're like, I, you're right. Mm. <laughs> and, but, but that's that our response to that is another, is another brick in that, in that building. It's another layer of that foundation we're laying down. And that helps us to, to, to all grow together. And, and it helps to, to, to keep uh, to, to build them in, and that's a safe place, right? That's a safe way in the family. That's a, should be, it's a safe way to challenge and say, you know, I think you're not standing up to, to God's standard. And then we can coach them through that. Yep. You're right. I didn't. And we can model the humility and then say, okay, but when you challenged me on that, maybe you should have said it this way because it Mm. would have been nicer and it would have been more kind. And, and, and and you start to practice that because they reproduce what's modeled. Absolutely. And, and 
that's why I would encourage parents, if, if you're going to teach your kids how to be missionaries and you are going to be the missionary to your child, then let them see you learning how to be the missionary in their life. When you're at church, let them see you taking notes. You, I'm not a note taker. doesn't matter. So, sometimes it's, it's not about you taking notes. It's about them seeing you take right. notes, mm-hmm. you know, or, or just going to church saying, hey, I'm exhausted, but I'm clearing out my schedule today. We're going Mm-hmm. Because my kids need to see that, you know, for me growing up, my, my dad was not a Christian until I was 15, but I remember coming down the hall every night and my, I would have to look into their room before I walked into my room. Cause there was in the hallway and every night I would see my mom writing in her devotion every night. I can see that I could see her sitting in her bed with the glow of the lamp on her, writing her devotion. When I got out mm-hmm. of college, her college gift to me, she wrapped up a box. I opened it, and in it were four journals. There were her daily prayer journals every day I was in college. Wow! And how she was praying for me. And today, I today I went to Charleston and took you out, to, took Del out to eat. I hope he's having a great week. And like those things, I, if I ever feel like, oh, I'm 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 t- just tired or exhausted, I look at those journals sitting on my bookshelf, and I'm like, no. You know, because that was modeled to me, mm-hmm. and 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 we pass that down, and and it's so important that we, like we talked about, that we lead by example, but also, you know, in in leading by example, if if we want our kids to be missionaries, okay, if we're saying I'm sending my kid to this environment, they're going to be a missionary, like we said, that's fine. Then you, then here's what I would ask: What are they reporting back to you? Mm-hmm. It's important. If, if Harmony, if we send a missionary out from our church, which we do, we're going to Honduras, right? Dan is going to go to Honduras, do the mission work with our team. He's going to come back to the church and report, these are the conversations we had. These are the people who met Jesus. If we are sending our kids into the environment saying they're missionaries in this world, then we need to be saying, okay, child, tell me about the conversations you had about Jesus with the people in your school this week, because if they didn't, then we are not doing what we said we're doing. Mm-hmm. And they are not being missionaries to, you know, to their, their part of the world. They're more than likely um, the world is being a missionary to them. Yes, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I call it, I've heard it put this way and I just love it. It's the law of sponges. Okay. So you have like, a sponge and you got red Kool-Aid in it and then you got a dry sponge under it. If you push them together long enough, what's going to happen to the red Kool-Aid? It's going to permeate this other sponge. And unfortunately this is what happens so many times when we send our kids out. I'm an example of that. You know, my parents sent me to um, a small Academy growing up and I'll tell you what, if you'd have looked at my sponge there, it was red because I was not, a light of evangelism in my school. I was not a light. I mean, sure, I would do some chapel stuff and I would, people knew I was a Christian, but it was just put my cards on the table. 10 years after I graduated high school, I saw a guy in Walmart who I went to high school with. He goes, what are you doing now? So I'm a pastor. He looks at me, he goes, you? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So there's an example. I was in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. I was in a youth praise band at church, but unfortunately if we're not intentional about merging that, making them report back to us, what ends up happening is we create little hypocrites. We right. where mm. I have my church world over here, my home, my home world over here, and my school world over here, and they don't cross the streams. Right. 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 And that is, you know, I, I like what you said about you know sending out missionaries and and treating it the way a church sends out missionaries. We take responsibility for them. We provide resources for the missionaries that we send out. We pray for them. We 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 ask them to to send us updates on a regular basis so that we we know how to how to support them. And sometimes that means physical resources. Sometimes that means we go visit and do things. Um, and I think that's that's really important. And if you're gonna if you're gonna say that your kids are missionaries, then that's how we should treat them. We prepare them, we send them, mm-hmm. we just support them, you know, and then we defend them when we can. Absolutely. And it is so much easier for I like that Kool-Aid illustration, but it is so much easier for the pressures of the world to crush our kids. And so many of the things right now are the the things that they're being faced with are not appropriate for the age that they are in. 
And, and that's something that I didn't have to deal with much. I didn't have right. to, as an elementary school student, deal with things that college students, you know, struggle with. And, and our kids now are, are, are being forced into that. And you can, you can shelter them as much as you want, unless you're going to keep them in a cabin in the backyard, you, you can't completely shelter them from Which it. Which is, you know, illegal. <laughs> well, only if you lock them in. But I mean, um, I've asked teenagers, how long before you are at school would your day be considered rated R? Most of them that I talk to say before I've sat down in the first class. Sure. Yeah. So when we say it's not allowed in our house, cool story, bro. But we're sending them off to it every day. Mm -hmm. Or if you're at Walmart, how long does it take just being in the checkout line before your experience at Walmart is in a space that doesn't have the worldview? So it's not just... I try not to be in a Walmart. My wife does the the pickup where they bring it out to the car. That's the only way I experience Walmart. But, you know, this is being in the world, but not of the world. And unfortunately, like, it doesn't take hardly any time for us to be... Absorbed in it, so if we're not, you know, putting Scotch Guard all on our kids, so the the water doesn't yeah. permeate, the world doesn't permeate, then then we're setting them up for failure. And mm-hmm. if we're not sending them out equipped completely as much as we can, I think about it this way: Let's just say we were going to send our church on to 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 Haiti. Okay, we're going to send them to Haiti on a mission trip, buy them the plane tickets, and send them out. They're in Haiti. Once they get there, um, we say, okay, well, have fun. Figure it out. We're cutting off the church credit card. We only got you a one-way ticket. Come back when you can. That would make national news. Church flies congregants to Haiti and abandons them Mm -hmm. and says, we got you and we, we took you there. This is the equivalent of what we do with our kids when we take them into these environments and just say, hey, come back and come back safe and alive, you know, and, and not, and not thrive because we don't want our kids. Listen, I don't want my kids to survive. I want them to thrive. There's a difference between surviving this world and thriving in it. Um, and, and thriving doesn't necessarily mean they're bringing home these big paychecks. It means that they're bringing home the faith that's in them. And that's why what we, we, we talked about this earlier, we need to give them practical tools. Mm -hmm. And this is where I would lift up and say in-home teaching is important. There's things like evangelism tools, like the old school Roman road. Mm -hmm. That's how I met Jesus. Or the the three circles, which is a popular one that's really well, but, or apologetics teaching, or like, let's throw in the defense. Your church should be partnering with you. Your children's ministry, Mm -hmm. your student ministry at on Sunday mornings should be laced with this is how you work out your worldview in students and and in children and in your homes. It should be giving practical things. And there's a balance between, you know, just theology and practice, but one does inform the other. Mm -hmm. And something that you you brought up in the sermon this last weekend uh, that I thought was really really good, you talked about, and you didn't use the Spider-Man analogy that with great power comes great responsibility, (laughs) but you could have. You know, you talked about, you know, God gives us freedom and the freedom in the gospel is to free us from the law and from the rules and from the regulations but that doesn't mean that we that the law has no place and it's the same with parents we don't let our kids loose in the kitchen and say there's the knives and there's the stove you got freedom in here don't you know don't cut your hand off and and burn it um, we we put rules around them before they can understand it and then as they grow in responsibility and knowledge and skill they get more freedoms that, that go along with that, and, and God does that with us. The law was a uh, was a way to 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 hem us in a little bit and to give us some guidelines as we understand what the gospel truly represents. Mm-hmm. And as we understand that freedom, now we can participate in it responsibly, not to use our freedom as a uh, as an excuse to go out and, and and gratify the the flesh, but we can use that freedom as a way to to reach into the world and to share the gospel with it. And I think that 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 model, that way of thinking through is something that we we can and should use with our with our children as well. We set rules on them when they're young 
as they get older, those rules relax, they get more freedom, which we teach them to use responsibly. And, and we teach them to, to, to go out into the world and share, you know, that, you know, as they might share, you know, Hey, I've got my driver's license now, so we can, I can, I can take my friends to, to lunch. Um, but in that same way, you know, I understand the gospel now, so I can share that with my friends and help them to understand, you know, how to, how to, how to get out of that, you know, emotional trauma that they're, that they may be working their way through. Yeah. So as, as we go down this path with our kids, you know, the, with our kids part is important, you know, as parents, we don't just, we're sending them out as missionaries. We are central support for our children in the world as missionaries. And I know that parents right now, um, some of them I've known, they're experiencing that. I know parents who listen to this podcast, their children are great examples. They go to these bigger schools and they don't, guess what? They don't get invited to the parties. And you know what's really weird? I Some students that I've talked with, they're like so bummed. I don't ever get invited to do things. And other kids look at it and they're like, yeah, they don't invite me on purpose. And I don't have to say no, which is a nice thing to not have to be the person always saying no. But there's oftentimes when people are like, I want to hang out with them because of this, because there's something just different. Now, we say all that to say, you know, your child might be, you might find yourself in a situation where my child hasn't been a missionary. They're completely absorbed with the culture they're in. What do I do? First of all, we can't even pretend to know exactly how to do your family. But I know this is a real question. I've gotten it a couple times in the last month or so. Like, what do I do? My kid is there. You get as a parent where you're like, I don't even know what, what's the right answer. How about this? We don't know the right answer because every person's unique, but we know wrong answers. The wrong answer would be, we'll continue the same pattern. The wrong answer would be turn a blind eye to it. Your child might be in a situation where, hey, you need to get them some professional help maybe. But oftentimes it's not beyond to say they need an environment change. If the environment's fully changed them, this is not a prescription for every family. But if we've noticed our child is being heavily influenced, then, then we might need to remove that environment from them. But know this. I've also, I've also seen parents who are saying, well, I sent my kids to be missionaries in the world. The world got them. I pulled them out of this school, put them in this school, and the same thing happened. Why? Because you're going to have that caliber of world is in every school. So at, at some point we have to realize maybe our kid is seeking it out. It's not coming to our kid. And there's some personal ownership. And I know... Some parents who said, I need, I know a, a parent and I have a lot of respect for this parent. They called me one day, said, my kid's in the hospital. Why? It was a really bad thing to happen. And uh, while they're in the hospital, they said, we're not taking him back home. Like, what are you doing? They're like, we're, we're sending him to this boys thing. And I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm younger. I'm a lot younger. I'm like, what, why would you do that? You know what? I saw that student. He's a grown man the other day. Didn't even recognize him. Came up to me. Hey, Delmar. Whoa. What happened to you? He's like, my parents sent me to that thing for two years. <laughs> like, wow. Mm-hmm. It's different for everything, but we are to gauge the effectiveness. If we drop our team off in Haiti and they start getting, per- like, if one of them gets, like, beat up on the street, and if another one is getting harassed, I'm bringing them home. I'm not going to keep sending them out to that mission field if, if it's so toxic that it doesn't seem like it's they can be healthy there. So as parents take it out of school, but other environments our kids are in, there are some environments our kids cannot be healthy in that environment. Yeah. And it's fine to remove them. You know, one of the things that I've heard here and there when I've talked with, um, I talk with a lot of different parents, um, frequently and from all different, you know, walks of life. And one of the things that I hear sometimes, you know, coming up is this idea of, um, you know, when my child is older, if they want to choose that path, then that's fine. But, you know, right now I kind of want them to do this other thing or whatever. And I'm not talking about choosing a path like, um, you know, do I want to play sports or not? I'm talking about moral issues of, you know, what 
you know, but you know, there's, I'll hear, there seems to be an idea sometimes with, with parents that it's somehow wrong, um, or, or out of line to, I'm going to use the word indoctrinate your children, you know, and like, you need to let them figure things out themselves. And, um, you know, but the thing is, is that somebody will indoctrinate your children 100%. and the world yep. is not neutral. The world is a hundred percent on a mission to indoctrinate your children. And so someone is going to indoctrinate your children. For us, we always, you know, had said someone's going to indoctrinate our children. So it's going to be us mm-hmm. and we're going to teach them truth. We're going to teach them, you know, God's truth, God's standard and you know, no one's going to love them or care for them more than we do. So we have their best interests. And yes, we will indoctrinate our children in, in the truth. You know, when it comes to it, and sometimes that involves dropping the hammer. It does. It is so much better for a mom and a dad to drop the hammer than to wait for the world to drop the hammer. Because when the world drops its hammer, your kid is canceled. Yeah. Your child has, their future is permanently damaged. When uh, I can use an example, when I was in high school, I had a really good friend, and he he was the youth leader's child. He was not a good influence on me. My mom and dad even realized when he was at the house, I was just mean to them, especially my mom. Finally, they came up to me. I can't believe they did this. They said, you're not allowed to hang out with him anymore. I said, mm-hmm. you can't tell me I'm not allowed to hang out with him. They're like, you're not. I'm like, he's in the youth group figure it out. You're not, <laughs> you're not hanging out. I was 16. He was my best friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I knew if my parents saw me with him, that I wasn't going to have a car. I told him, I said, well, then I'm going to a different church. They said, that's fine. You're not hanging out with him. We'll vet the church. So I started going to, um, Westminster, a Presbyterian church as a conservative Presbyterian. They're like, go there. Fine. I went there, met some, they started using like words I never heard of. Right. The Presbyterians and their theology. And I was like, I need this. I need this. I ended up going there the rest of my high school, not even the same church. My parents ended up would come with me to Westminster because they knew that they needed to be in church with me. So they would sit with me and then I'd go with them to theirs. But they were like, we don't need, if, if, if you being here is going to place you around this and there wasn't that many students. So you need to be here. And that support I received from them, Westminster is when I really affirmed my personal call in life. Um, with I was under good leadership. All that to say, I'm pretty sure when my parents said you can't hang out with them, it they didn't think it was going to end with me leaving the church, <laughs> you know, um, because they were pretty frustrated about that. But when they saw the logical conclusion of the hammer dropped, you know what? The world's hammer didn't drop on me in high school. Right. And, and if I would have stayed around him, the people who I was getting introduced to around him, it, I was such a follower at that time. It would, I really do think it would have ended differently. So all that to say, you know, it's okay for your kids to not be happy with you because you're indoctrinating them. Well, and you, to your point. you pointed something out there that, that I think is, is, is important to, 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 to stomp on a little bit and uh, stomp on in a positive way, emphasis way, not, not, not a stomp you down is that, some of the same principles that you use for a three or a four year old, you can use for a 13 or a 14 year old or a 15 year old. You go back to the truth and you talk about what is true. And if, if you're starting this late and you're, you know, you didn't start when they're three and now they're 13 and 14, it's going to be more challenging. That's true. You've got more ground to cover to make up for it, but that doesn't mean you can't and shouldn't start. God is gracious and he will reach into that. And sometimes the thing that you will say there will impact that that kid, that yeah. person, that human soul in a different way because of that circumstance that they're in. And you can still bring the truth to them. You can still talk about uh, the truth of Scripture. You can still talk about God's plan for for life and and the the truth of the gospel. Uh, and and you can you can still do that even if you're starting later. It still it still can work. It still is there because the gospel is still good news, and the truth is still true. And it's power unto its own self. It is. And you know this brings us to like the last talking point. Experience that power alongside your child. The power of being a personal witness for Jesus. 
it does change them. I know today is, you know, sharing some personal stuff, but this one's close to me growing up with, with a father who wasn't saved. He, he became a Christian when I was 15. And I remember hanging out with him. We'd shoot archery together. That was our thing. One day we're at the archery club and, uh, my dad, he, he curses, right? And I never heard him do it a lot because he still knew not to, do, but he did with his friends around and he stopped. I think that's the way I remember it was he stopped. He said, I'm sorry. And they're like, what? He's like, I shouldn't have said that. And they're like, looking at him like you're, why are you apologizing for us for saying that word? He's like, it's not who I am. I'm not. And I am sorry to you. And I'm sorry to you. I'm sorry. I'm like, and I remember seeing him like, mm. he just, what? You know, it's really confusing. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I know th- I got to experience that around him. And that was formative for me. So when- got to see him model um, like repentance and admitting like, I've, I've turned from that. That's not, that's not. To people he did, who didn't even care. Mm-hmm. That was, was weird. Yeah. And I think for us, find a place where you can model that alongside your child. Being being in the missionary. And this let's don't just keep sending them out. Hey, we're going to the mission field together right. today. Yeah. This is this is why this is why it is good to have a healthy church. A lot of times churches provide that environment for us to go out into the communities mm-hmm. and to do things. But sometimes it is while we're at the line at Walmart. And sometimes. and you know, sometimes it is. But all that to be said, we do want to encourage you. Let your kids be missionaries. But remember, we are their support system first. And uh, and they can't be missionaries unless they're first redeemed by Jesus. So hope this has been beneficial. It's been good for me because I'm about to go in there and uh, put some hammer down <laughs> <laughs> on one of my kids. So all that to be said, we hope that uh, today that you are living in harmony. My name is Delmar. I'm Robert. And I'm April. Have a great day.